broadcasting from a little liberal town known in Madison, Wisconsin. This is the Sauce Report. And your host today, Sauslin Timison. Are you interested in investing today? Or maybe investing for your future? I sure am. When I found out about this wonderful service that they could help me invest for my future, I, I went on this public investing uh, website, which is an investing firm out of New York. They have done a fantastic job in building my portfolio, which is very diversified. And now that, but they will also help you. You are more than welcome to click on the link below and it will bring you to uh, the public investment site where you get to sign up today and you get one free stock of any of your choice. I, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a deal. If you want to, again, to maybe look into it, that's publicinvestment.com where they will explain and answer any questions you have. And that is what is brought to you by today on the Sauce Report. Remember to keep it saucy. Bye. Well, hello and welcome to the Sauce Report. I hope you guys are having a wonderful day because I know I am because I have a very special guest for going to be on for about three parts. Part one is going to be talking about his testimony and talking about how we met and, you know, just talking about, you know, tips and tricks for you guys that might be going through struggles of life and that I think it's respectable that we interview someone in this and that we get to have a different point of view. So I am here with Mr. Will and he is a good friend of mine and a brother in Christ. How are you doing today, Will? I'm doing pretty well today. How are you, Sauce? Oh, I'm doing good. By the way, um, how, did, how did we meet, if I may ask? Uh, well, we met because we were part of the same Nicolay Bible Institute program, which I'm sure if you listen to this show regularly, you've heard about at least once. Um, I know it's benefited me in a lot of ways, and I'm sure Sauce would just tell you the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, how does? So let's go back a little bit. Let's go back in time. Mm-hmm. And, and I have to tell you, if you if I if I ever interview someone, I tell them, hey, we're going to be talking about this subject. And next thing you know, there's a curveball. You probably notice. Whoa! I did not know that was going to be a curveball. Did you? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what made? Let's tell your background. So what do you like to do? Uh, well, um, let's see, my background, I was raised in a Christian home. I mean, okay. so I really enjoy studying theology, studying the Bible, that, that sort of thing. Um, I'm, the, I'm one of the only guys you'd find that like listens to sermons and theological lectures just for the heck of it because he can. Because mm-hmm. I enjoy that stuff. I find that stuff fascinating. But on top of it, I also enjoy listening to music. I was very musical. I played the saxophone in middle school and high school. I did that for about eight years. I uh, dabbled a little bit of guitar, but music's also been a really big part of my life in in, in at least one sense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I guess that's something I enjoy doing. And I guess to, to kind of jump into my testimony a little bit, uh, when I came – I don't know if I'm jumping the gun. I don't want to jump the gun. No, no, but, no you're good. So, so when I, I was young and I was raised in obviously the church – and so when, you're, when you are raised in the church, you kind of come to faith at a young age. But, all, but as, you know, as, as is told, kind of when, you, when you're that young, at, at my, in my case it was five, I really didn't know what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know exactly uh, what that meant. Uh, the terminology that, that I remember using was Jesus is your quote-unquote forever friend, meaning he's there 
always with you, which for a five-year-old is a concept they can understand. You know, mm-hmm. you have friends, but Jesus is the ultimate friend. Um, but I re- so if I may ask, what is the problem of having that kind of a, of a mindset? You know, it, do you think a lot of people say that Jesus is your friend to, for instance, when something bad happens, they have a, one person that listens to them? Is that, is that what you're kind of referring to? And then as we grow older, our perception of God changes. I mean, what do you think? I thought about that because when I was young, and I'm sure, yes, I was young at one at one time. Um, I, you know, when I've never been abused, I've never gotten in that situation. But I can, my heart only goes out to those uh, those people because they see that they see Jesus. They see that you know they came to Christ at a very young age, and they see that. But there's a change. That majority of those people came to Jesus, and that the reason why they saw them is because they can get out of that abuse, abusive situation from a family member or from somebody else. Do you think that's true or no? Uh, if I'm understanding your question correctly, it's it's about the the issue of so your perception of God kind of changes because you you have sort matured. of what you've matured exactly because. When you're young, you understand the gospel as a sort of, well, Jesus died for my sins, but you really don't understand the full impact of that because the concept of the wrath of God, the concept of God needing to judge sin and needing to fulfill all righteousness and part of that needing to judge sin is, isn't really present in your vocabulary when you're five years old. And you have terms like the atonement. And uh, penal substitution, which is the idea that Jesus paid the penalty for our sins, that he's our substitute on the cross. That idea, I mean, died for your sins. When you're under, when that phrase, you don't really – when you're young, you really don't understand the full implications of that phrase. Mm-hmm. But as you get older, you kind of understand that and then you understand the significance of the death but also the resurrection to know that he not only died to save us from our sins but that he also defeated death three days later mm-hmm. so that – so that, that death doesn't have any power over us. Because 1 Corinthians 15 says that with, if Christ has not been raised, our faith is useless. Amen. Without the resurrection, there, there is no Christianity. A, a, but then again, a crossless Christ would also be a, a pointless one. Because that's what a lot of people also like to do is they say, well, I agree Jesus was a virtuous person. I agree Jesus was a, was a good man and a good teacher. But he's not God and he certainly his death had no significance other than he was just hung on a cross because – a bunch of people decided he should be executed. And if you have and but then there's so much significance behind it and I feel like I'm kind of rambling here a bit so you can feel free to stop me if I'm if I'm if I ever get that way, but just to say that um when you're young, you don't understand the full implications. You see, you spout platitudes like Jesus died for your sins, but you really don't understand what that is until you get older and until you start actually reading the scriptures for yourself. And that's a huge part of my testimony mm-hmm. is when it, I was obviously raised in a Christian environment, but it was really my dad uh, that poured the habit of daily scripture intake. At first, it was me and him together, but then eventually on my own, I did it on my own to where to this day, at least I'm, I'm pretty good. I've been pretty good about it, but only by the grace of God. Amen. But I've been good about it over the course of time where I'm in the word every day. I'm, I'm going – and one way to instill that is I personally go through the entire Bible in a full year. And yeah. that's a really good incentivized way to do it because then it kind of keeps you on track of not missing. Yep. Because when I used to do it back when I was first starting, I'd miss two or three days and I'd have to catch up a lot just to kind of understand where the story – where the flow of the narrative of scripture was mm-hmm. going. And that kind of caused a lot of stress because I was like, oh, no, I got to catch up on two, three days. 
to the point where like even if it's really late at night and I don't really stay up that late, if I still have scripture reading to do, I because it's that important to me because the habit and I'm not trying to say this as getting on my high horse at all. I hope you don't hear it that way. But the it's so important that I can't miss it. It's, it's worth losing a little sleep if it's you gain like, the word of God. It's become, and because I feel like in the same boat. You know, if you don't take time with God, it's like your day can't function properly. And if you can't take time to even, for instance, worship, you can't, you don't have time. Now, Mike, so what do you give advice? Because you see a lot, of, you hear a lot of pastors. Because I, so for um, this uh, theology thing, you see, you hear a lot of pastors saying, well, start in the book of Matthew or start in the book of John because it's one of the shortest chapters or even James per se. What are your thoughts on when pastors say that? Or even for instance, when you start your journey with God, you start, you have to read in the beginning, read a Bible one full year. Do, what are your thoughts on, do you agree with that kind of a perception or do you kind of disagree and why? Um, I think when they give advice on helping um, in a particular passage of scripture, I think that those are helpful because like, they recommend books like the God. I, I always hear John floated out as as the quintessential as book a, to start as reading. a go to person as when you first as when you first accept it. It was funny because back in twenty fourteen, I believe, that's what my pastor said. You know, starting the book of John and yeah. then go from there. I, here's why I disagree on that. Hang on, because I, can I sorry. finish my yeah, thoughts before sorry. we? So I think that I understand where they're coming from, and I think that that's that can be kind of helpful in the sense of introducing certain concepts like if you've never heard if you've never cracked open a bible reading john you get things like jesus jesus's i am statements jesus affirming his divinity jesus's death his resurrection and the significance in it because what john does and in a lot of other gospels don't necessarily do this is john puts it in more theological context but i i but i will say this all of scripture is equally important and i think that getting in a pattern of reading different sections um, kind of gets you to understand the whole narrative of scripture better because I think a lot of times what we do and I think and I, I mean people mean well when they recommend certain passages it's like there are certain passages everybody knows and everybody seems to read and then there are also certain passages which are equal which are equal in the fact that they're written by God and they're divinely inspired that nobody ever touches it seems like like First Chronicles, for instance, I know that the first 10 chapters, because it's a bunch of names, can seem kind of tedious. But you've got to remember in a book like that, for example, that that is how the Jews recorded history. That, that, right, that you read that in that context. And that had a, in, incredible, incredible significance to the people at the time they were reading it. And so I think that getting a holistic view of Scripture, getting – instead of not just your snippet in the morning, uh, your, your – your, because a lot of times they'll read, they'll pick their verse of the day or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think reading more passages, reading a chapter or two a day out of every section helps you get the better flow of the scriptures, helps you get it in context, helps you understand, okay, this verse, yes, this is a popular verse, but what surrounds it? Because a lot of times people take things out of context because they'll read that one verse and they're like, mm -hmm. oh, that sounds great. But what about around it? What about the, what's the historical context of saying this? What's the... What's the paragraph before the paragraph after? What's the chap What's the whole chapter? And what in the entire book and in the entire Bible even? What does this verse mean in that context rather than cherry picking it and going, okay, I'm going to take this and apply it to my life. So you know the funny part is, before I know we kind of got off the track of your testimony, but I have to tell this. I have to tell you this. Um, 
it was funny because the other day I was talking about how a lot of so many Christians and so many pastors are cherry picking certain parts of the Bible. That's now becoming a new trend. What are your thoughts when people cherry pick? Is it because they don't like it or is it because that offends them? What do you think? Well, I think, I think there's a couple reasons. I think number one, I think people have this view that certain passages aren't as relevant as other passages. What's one of the passages that you think that's not relevant? Um, well, no, I think, I think everything's equally relevant. But I think going back to the Chronicles example, I think some people would say that's a genealogy. We don't need to teach that as equal. We don't need to preach that as equal because it because they think somehow that it can't apply to our lives when first Timothy or second Timothy 3:16 and 17 which is the quintessential passage on the nature of scripture in my opinion it says all scripture is god breathed and is useful correct for correction for rebuke for teaching and for training in righteousness i probably um, goofed up the terminology there but the point being is that scripture is number one god breathed meaning man didn't write it meaning god wrote the words of scripture and he um, and therefore, it has, it's going to be different from every other work of literature on the planet. And so you can't treat it like another, any other book on the planet. And then number two, that it's useful, and it says all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. Meaning, so it's useful for helping us enrich our lives and live everything, every aspect of our lives should be lived in accordance with the scriptures. Not just how I treat my family, but... How do I treat my family? How do I manage my money? How do I go to work and work? And every single aspect of your life should be driven by the scriptures. Why? Because it's divinely inspired and you should submit to that authority because God is the only one who has the authority to tell you how to do things. And because he created you and because he created the world that we live in, his instructions for how to live it are perfect and are good. And I think that... Yeah. Again, sorry, I don't mean to go on a tangent no, no, there, no. but I think that that's incredibly important it, it to, to use to for people to understand. And it is very important. It's also a very hard understanding to a lot of people to understand because there's another, there's another passage. You look at, um, you look at Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy. It's kind of, kind of it, a word, word salad there. It but. Is. A lot of people say that the old, that chapter, that chapter of the Bible is irrelevant. But at the same time, if you look at it, you have Jesus then solidifies it and affirms everything that was said back in the Old Testament and was said back in the New Testament. So now going back to your testimony, going back. So you accepted Jesus Christ. And do you think by spending time with your dad through reading through the devotions, do you think by doing that, do you think that built a stronger relationship with your dad? Because what do you recommend for the listeners that might not have a healthy relationship with their, uh, with their fathers? What do you recommend for them? I think that... Number one, I think it did um, um, help in my relationship with my dad. I think when you have spiritual conversations, it takes you to another level because because having those conversations, especially with, in my case, my father, but also like a, and for those that can't don't have a, as good of a relationship with their dad. Number one, I'm sorry that you have to go through that. Nobody should have to go through that. That's not part of God's design. Just want to say that up front. Number two, I think it's good to find some kind of spiritual leader, whether it's whether if you're if you're a young man, maybe an older man in your church, uh, or or another relative, or somebody like that, or if you're a young lady, maybe an older woman in the church, or something like that. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's First or Second Timothy, but in Paul's letters to Timothy, he talks about 
older men teaching younger men and older women teaching younger women how to be men, how to be women according to the Bible. Amen. And I think that's incredibly important because learning from those that have come before you is helpful because, number one, they've lived life longer than you have. They've, and also, they've probably studied scripture longer than you have. And so all of that put together, you're not doing your own Christian life in a vacuum, supposed, mm -hmm. supposedly. Because I think a lot of times we tend to be like, oh, this is my devotional. This is my Christian life. And I, I, you know, I don't really need the church. I don't really need other people in the church. And maybe, maybe I'll go to church to hear the sermon on Sunday. But then I walk out because that's about it. But, but the, I think the most important part of a church is the fellowship aspect, is the talking to people, is the, is the say, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. Hey, I know you talked to me about this issue. How are you doing with that? Can I pray with you? Hey, it's so good to see you today, like mm -hmm. afterwards and before and as you're filing in. Because that's not a lot of what, um, not to go off in too much of a tangent, because obviously that's not what the episode's about, but I think Zoom, like with, when they did the virtual church thing, that's, that was so, in my opinion, so damaging is because people didn't have that fellowship. People didn't have the ability to fellowship with each other. It was worship and a sermon, which again, but again, I mean, we'll drift back to my testimony at some point. I'm yeah. pretty sure. <laughs> but. Well, we got three parts with you, so we're good. Exactly. Um, and so the, so the interesting part is what do you tell for people? And even before, you know, before we had, uh, we would say, before, <clears throat> Before we had the incident, you know, back in 2020. You know, oh, yep. Um, before, be, before we had before, that. Before that transpired, yep. Yeah. We had, there were still some people, okay, that would say to me, I'm not, I don't need the church. I can do yeah. church my own. I need, I, as long as I open up the good word and I read and pray with God, what do you say to those people? And they're like older people. What do you say to them? And what do you say to the new, newer generation that have that can't, same kind of mindset and they're actually leaving the church? What do you say to that? Um, this, is a really good, this is a really good question for you, by the way. No, I, I think it's a fascinating question. I think it's incredibly important that we ask this because I have, I have a family member, I'm not going to name who, but they, they were talking about how they, they don't mind the Bible, they don't mind Christianity, but they don't like the church. And number one, a lot of older people especially – will say, well, the church hurt me, so therefore I won't go back. Yes. And I think what's important to remember is, and I'm, this isn't to excuse the hurt that they caused you. This isn't to justify the church's behavior because it's quote-unquote the church. And although I do think the church is incredibly important and is the body of Christ and is important. But I think, number one, you got to understand, in churches, churches, people are still people, right? And even though they're being... Even though they're being, in my view, transformed to be more like Christ each and every day if they truly are a part of Christ's body, um, they're still going to make mistakes, right? They're still going to mess of us up. Are perfect. Still, exactly. No church, gonna... no church is perfect in this day and age. Right. And so I think you have to understand that if, if, if the reason you're leaving church is because somebody hurt you, I think, number one, number one, you've got to realize that people are mistakes. Number two, you've got to forgive them. Even if, even if they will never come to you and apologize, even if till the day you die, they never apologize to you, you have to, in your heart, go, okay, I'm going to forgive them. I can't hold that against them. And why? It goes back to the cross. It goes back to, I have committed way worse things against God, and, and he forgave me of all that I've done, which is way worse than whatever this person did to me. So how dare I hold this sin against this person because, because of what Christ did on that cross? Jesus even has a parable about, you know, the unforgiving master. I'm sure mm -hmm. listeners are familiar with that, where he talks about, he says, there's a servant, right? He's, he's, 
just I'll summarize. The the debtor goes to the guy and says, "You you I'm forgiven. I'll you don't have to pay your debt anymore." And the debtor, uh, reasonably so, goes. I'm, he's really grateful. He goes out with like um, joy, so much joy and jubilation because he's been forgiven of this. And then, but then he goes and somebody owes him money, and he says. Um, he says he demands he his demands payment. his payment back, right? Because he owed him twenty bucks. Yeah, he owed he owed him comparatively speaking so much less than this guy owed the master. Yep. And then when so then this guy chooses he says no I'm going to hold that against you and then he demands it back he throws him in prison. The guy comes back and says the master comes back to the guy and says how dare you not forgive him when I forgave you way more. Yeah. And so I think that's an important principle to remember. And then um, so. If you, by the hurt thing, I think forgiving and I think finding healthy people in your church because just because you forgive a person doesn't mean you have to necessarily trust them right away again. And I think build, rebuilding trust is something that you kind of have to think about and maybe talk with wise counsel how to go about that. So finding people that you agree with. And then to the younger generation who says, I don't think I need church. I can go listen to some solid pastor on the internet or you know a solid worship team or something. I think... Those are great, but they have their shortcoming. And the number one thing, I think, they can't do day-to-day life with you the same way the members of a church can. They can't check up on you and see how you're doing in that, in, with, this, with the struggle you're going through, with the sin you're dealing with, with, a, with an issue. With, they don't have that accountability aspect because if you are not – and I think this is another reason why not just church attendance – but also church membership is is critical, and I say that I say this as you know membership as a process is the way we formalize it in churches today. So you brought it's not necessarily in the in the scriptures. Sorry, I don't mean to no no, no you're good. You brought it. So we have some time, and I want to tell you, well, I am so blessed that you are here, and I absolutely love that. This is actually all. You know what's interesting? I'm just going to be facing blunt and transparent uh, to the listeners. You know what we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk about June. Yeah. But I don't think God had a different perception. God had a different plan for us. How awesome is that? Can we just take a moment to think how blessing that is and how we could have, now we're being actually productive. We're giving people an advice. I mean, all you can do is just glorify God. Amen. I, I, think, it's, I think it's funny. I think the scripture says, says um, a man plans in his heart. But God directs his steps. And that's and, what just happened today. That's, that is what's happening here. And I'm, I'm grateful for this. And, and, I, and I, it twisted you. And, it, and I knew it was, And it twisted you, didn't it? it? You were confuzzled. I mean, a little bit. I was hoping that, that this was going to be beneficial for the listeners. I said, I said I, I kind of prayed to God and I was kind of thinking in my mind. I said, okay, um, I, I have no idea where Sosslin's going to go with this, but I hope it's going to be beneficial to the listeners, and I hope it's going to be glorifying to God. And I think that's exactly what we've done here today. I think that that's what we're doing. (laughs) And how awesome is that? And so we're going to go back to the church membership, okay? Yep. What do you think we have? What are your thoughts on these big mega churches that only care about memberships? And this is going to be the last question before we wrap, wrap things up for part two. Yeah, because we go, we'll go back to my testimony at some point, I'm sure. At part two, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is yeah, no, yeah, no, no worries. All right, sorry. Well, um, as this kind of a final question, what are your thoughts on the church membership? Of them trying to force um, church, like of them trying to care about the numbers more than they do. You see these big mega churches. Right, right. And, and I, think, 
I think to lump all megachurches together, um, and I'll, I'll address your question in a moment, but just as a caveat, I think uh, to address the larger megachurch movement, I think it's kind of, it's, you have to evaluate, just like any other normal-sized church, you have, to, you have to evaluate it by their doctrine, because there are some megachurches that I think are preaching a true gospel, I think are preaching the word faithfully, I think are administering the sacraments, namely baptism and the Lord's Supper, in a way that's... Um, glorifying and honoring to God, which I think are the, all the duties of a church. They administer church discipline, which I don't know if we're going to get into that really nitpicky, but maybe in part two we'll get into church discipline. But they're doing all these things that faithful churches do, and they just happen to have a large amount of members. Like, for instance, um, the church I go to back home, I'm not going to name names again because of the, of the policy on the show. But I think that they're – while I disagree with on, on certain minor issues, I think they're, faith, they, they're really faithful to the word. I think they emphasize the importance of getting in the word. They emphasize the importance of community. They administer sacraments um, faithfully. Again, how, how the frequency they do it is an issue that's kind of nitpicky in, in retrospect. But the but, – but so you have those faithful churches that just happen to have a large amount of people, right? Uh, but the megachurch movement at large, to answer your question, I think a lot of times it's because the fundamental um, assumption that's characterized the, this movement is, is that the church is supposed to cater to the world and is supposed to change for the world in order to draw them in. But the church is really primarily for the believers in, this, in the sense that the church is supposed to supplement the believer's teaching. The church isn't primarily to bring unbelievers in and evangelize them. I think, obviously, there's nothing wrong with an unbeliever going into a church. I hope they hear the gospel we faithfully preached. But, but to cater the church specifically to what would, unbelievers would want is a part of the reason why you have these megachurch movements. They think, they think if there's a, num a large number of people attending my church, they equate a large number of people with a greater impact. And I think that's a false equivalency because what you have a lot of times is you have – uh, these people that are attending these churches and they're getting such soft preaching and they're so not watered involved. Down gospel. Watered down gospel. They're not involved in the in these churches. And so what you're seeing is you're seeing a a kind of lackadaisical approach to Christianity where they're not growing, they're not taking their faith seriously because of what um, is done. And, and the church doesn't care because it's all in the name of growing numbers and they think God's God's working here because we have this many souls saved. Yeah, but how many of them are being discipled? I think that's another, another question. And that's for going to be part two. Where are they being discipled? But with this in mind, I want to I wanna give you the honors to pray, this, pray us out. I, okay. wanna, I think it's respectable. All right. Lord, we thank you for this time to come before you. We thank you for this time as... We, th we thank you for this time as brothers in Christ, to have uh, this kind of conversations. And uh, Lord, I just thank you that uh, we can do this in a, in a free country as of right now, Father. And I pray that you'd protect those liberties. Lord, I pray that as we go about the rest of our night and as we go into parts two and three, Father, that these would be just as spiritually beneficial and uh, spiritually enriching as part one. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless both of us and that you would help us to grow closer to you and closer to each other uh, in the midst of all of this, and that all of it would be honoring to you. God, we just ask you these things in your name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Well, with this in mind, Mr. Will, I want to say thank you so much. And may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you. And we will be honored to have you back on for part two in the later days to come. Oh, yeah. And remember, guys, to keep it saucy. Bye. Oh, absolutely. Bye.
You just heard an episode of The Sash Report, a podcast on Spotify, iHeart, and anywhere you hear a podcast. Remember, guys, hit that like and follow button. See you next time, and keep it saucy. Thank you.